0: open them up to Hebrews chapter two. Again, we've been encouraging everyone to get bring their Bibles so that you can mark them up. Um, we went again, just as a, a visual learner myself, it's really easy for me to hear something and it to register for a millisecond and then ricochet off my brain as I walk out of a room. And so when you hear something and you write something or you underline something, that doubles up your retention. And so we want you to mark up your Bible and just basically use this year, whatever Bible you have to mark up, to mark it up as through any sermon or your own personal study at home that you get a chance to basically just log all of the stuff that God's teaching you. Now, before we jump into this, though, I've got to talk about what happened yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, um, we had just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, seminar here. It was—it was a not a seminar as much as a, a sharing of the fact that it was a mental health awareness. Um, session, really, and, and, and we want to give massive, massive props to Deanna Watson and her team um, at, over at Alliance uh, Counseling. Evolve Counseling was also participating in, in running this. This was something where Mission just opened up our doors and let them do the work. They, they did all the heavy lifting on it, and it was their brainchild of something that God put on Deanna's heart and mind um, in our community where we've seen uh, folks within our community all the way down to the youngest of the young taking their lives. This is something we wanted to take seriously. And so when they brought this to us, we said, we wanna jump on that with you and join you. So we're just super, super grateful for their vision and their passion and the fact that the whole room over there at the venue was jam-packed. There were people sitting along the aisles, people spilling into the hallways. Please don't tell the fire department because we were way out of code, but it was it was awesome. And we were just thanking God for the fact that Four people had a chance to share their story of wrestling with mental illness, and the impact was, was awesome. So massive, massive props to the people in our church that are not on staff at our church, but are, are people within mission that have the mission to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and they pulled that off. So thank you very much, teacher. Let's give them a round of applause. Yeah. So cool. Okay, so last week, if you missed last week, you missed the theological foundation for the series that's going up to Easter. And so I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, go back on missionbible.tv or on, on, um, on YouTube and rewatch it because basically we introduct- introduced the whole series to the concept of the incarnation. The incarnation is the picture of God becoming man. And, and so we talked about how the incarnation had to happen for our redemption to take place. If you're a Christian, you're not a Christian unless this took place. God had to get to us through the incarnation, God becoming man, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, to die on the cross to get us back. And now that he's done that and he's risen from the grave, we get to walk every single day of our life knowing that the reincarnation still is speaking into our life because he, we can look back on the fact that Jesus spent 33 years on this planet. He gets us. He understands us. He understands where we're coming from. And so that was just a massively important reality. Now, this week, we're going to be moving into the next aspect of how Jesus gets us. Not only does he get us because he was all God, but all human, he also gets us down to the nitty-gritty of being tempted. And so, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to be in that passage, and we're going to read just the end verse. If you were underlining last week, you probably underlined some stuff leading up to verse 18. We didn't really get to 18 last week, so we're just going to hit 18 and then springboard on over to chapter 4, verses 14 and 16. For most of you, it's on the next page or a page later. If you could stand for the reading of God's word. Again, we don't know who the author of Hebrews was. We know a lot of the New Testament books who who authored them. We don't know who authored uh, the book of Hebrews, but it was written to a um, majority Jewish audience. And the author is basically saying all that stuff that we had in our faith, talking about following the one true God, it's all been leading to Jesus. He is the Messiah that we read about in Isaiah. He is the one that, that when God said to Abraham, I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna be a blessing to all people all around the world, this is the person that that, that, that all came about through. The second person in the Trinity, it's Jesus. And so uh, we're, we're gonna get, just jump in on verse 18 and then springboard on over to, uh, to chapter four. Talking about Jesus, the author says this, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Chapter 4, verses 14 and following says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. but We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, he didn't sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Okay, so what we're talking about today, the focus is that Jesus was tempted, and this is a big deal. Like, again, it almost sounds blasphemous to say that Jesus was tempted, but the Bible, which is not blasphemous, says that he was. Now, temptation, every single person, does anyone in this room, has anyone in this room ever not been tempted? Has anyone made it to the point that you're at temptation-free? No, I don't care if you're a Christian or an atheist. Every single human being understands this word. All of us have like these goals we set for ourselves. Like I want to be a better person or I want to stop doing this. Or this year, new year, new me. I'm going to like cut back on, on this or I'm going to start working out. Um, this year, I'm going to start working out more and, and that's my goal. Or this year, I'm going to quit smoking or this year, I'm going I'm to I'm 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 stop speeding as much or wh- whatever your goal is. This year, I'm going I'm I'm to uh, avoid sugar. And that's your goal. You, you, you set that goal, and, and you know that every temptation is basically the thing that's basically looking at your goals and laughing, saying, right. Okay, that's a great goal, but what about just a little bit? No, 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 man, I'm solid. These are goals that I've set for myself. I don't care about temptation. And that works until you're walking in the office past the person who's got the bowl of peanut butter M&Ms, and you're like, if it was just M&Ms, I mean, I could walk right by, but peanut M&Ms? What am I, an animal? I can't resist that. And so like all of a sudden, you're not right. And it's one of those things where we understand on a base level, temptation is the thing that whatever goal we have, whatever idea we have that we think is going to better us, make us more healthy, whatever, it's the thing that competes with that. It's the thing that chips us away. And we understand that if we give into temptation, every time we do, we're moving one step further away from that goal that we've set for ourselves. Many of us have goals of, of exercise in January that are not there in March, and are certainly not there in November. And by December 31st, you're like, but next year, right? It's because every little decision that we make, that we fall into temptation, we're moving further away from that goal, that standard we've set for ourselves. In the Bible, it's similar to that, but, it, but a little bit different. In the Bible, it's not that I'm setting a goal for myself or a standard for myself. For Christians, they look at scripture and recognize that the standard isn't set by me. The standard is set by God, and God has this standard for me. And it's not just that God knows my, my physiology or my psychology as good as me or as good as the people that are closest to me. He knows those things better than me, and so I can trust him. And so whatever standard God gives us through his word— I'm going to like that's as a Christian, not as a non-Christian. If you're not a Christian, you set your own standards. But as a Christian, I'm surrendering myself to Him, letting Him lead the way, and any temptation is basically the thing that's chipping away at that, taking me further and further and further from the person that God's crafted me to be. Like, if you wanted to know what temptation really is, this is kind of like my my dumb definition. Temptation is the process of figuring out who's boss: desire or or deity. Like who's winning? Who's the boss of me? Okay, we all grew up saying. Most of you, if you go over to Adventure Outpost to the nursery, you're gonna hear kids in there saying, "You're not the boss of me." <laughs> and we're mature. We don't ever say that, like that. We say that differently. We say to our girlfriend, boyfriend, to our spouse, to our boss, to our boss. We say, "You're not the boss of me," right? And so. Our whole world is built on independence. We want to be the master of our own destiny, right? And and so the temptation for a Christian is saying, I got to figure out who's the actual bottom line boss of my world. Is it me or is it the things that I've got urges towards, the hungers within me? You know, who, who's winning? Who's the boss of me? Is it my God or is it my gut, my desires of what I want in my life, okay? And, and, and so that, that's the process. There's those, those moments where you have a temptation, where you have to make that decision, and then you step into it one way or the other. Now, the interesting thing is that Jesus was tempted, and, and that's something that helps us understand something. I mean, again, we know that Jesus was tempted because it says in verse 18 that he was. But Jesus was tempted and didn't sin, And so even though he can relate to the fact that we are tempted, he can't relate to our failure. But he does give us the ability to be victorious. We actually have, as followers of Jesus, the ability to hit any temptation and not let it overcome us. So this morning, as we're like looking at this, whatever temptation you're battling with, and if you're breathing in here, you're battling a temptation. I am. Or many temptations. Man, isn't it good to know that Jesus not only can relate to us, but he can give us victory. He can give us the ability to walk through, not being like just beat up and enslaved to whatever our desire is. He is the boss. And so, again, we see that he was tempted. But my next question is okay, yeah, right. But where? Where is Jesus tempted? Like, where do we have any evidence of that? We have it in Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, in the wilderness, right before his ministry, Jesus goes into the wilderness, and, and the specific purpose of that is he's going through like 40 days of being without food and everything else, and in the wilderness, Satan comes up to attack him. Satan meets him right there, okay? And that's one of the first things that we, uh, we should understand about temptation. We are always, we should always be on guard that we have an enemy that wants to draw us into being tempted, okay? I didn't talk about this last night, but I'm going to talk about this with you guys because, because I care, I can't take, in my house, I can't take a shower without being on guard to what my wife might do to me while I'm in that shower. If this sounds like this is getting too personal, it is. When I'm taking a shower, I like hot showers because I'm a human. I'm a human. I love Jesus. I like hot showers. And so like hot shower, I'm enjoying it. All of a sudden, my wife does this. She's been doing this since like we were like just got married. Fills up a glass or pitcher of cold water. And while I am showering, walks on over and just and all of a sudden, she hears the screeching of a second grade girl that electricity like ah, all over me, and, I've, and I'm just, I am ticked, and I just hear her giggling as she walks out of the room. <laughs> After the house fire, we, we, we had to redo our, our bathroom because it burned, and um, one of the things that they upgraded was, was with uh, glass doors. So now, I've got the ability to see when she's coming, but I don't think about it. I'm not always on guard. When I'm off guard, sure enough, that's the day that right? Now, I'm not telling you that because I'm saying that my wife is messed up. (laughs) I'm saying that because I should know my wife well enough to know that she likes to do messed up stuff like that to me. That should cause me the capacity to be on guard. And yet, I get lazy. I'm not always on guard. I'm enjoying the shower. Now, here's the thing. Jesus showcases that even the Son of God is not free from the ability to be attacked by Satan. And Jesus is, I mean, we look at, we think of God as like, everything just ping-ponging off of him. But the reality is that Jesus was tempted. He was tempted in ways that Satan knew would be tempting to him. In hunger, pride, and power. Those are the three temptations that Jesus experiences in the wilderness. If you want to be victorious, if you want to be victorious over temptation, one of the first things you need to remember is this. You need to remember that Jesus gets that feeling. He gets the feeling of sin being appealing. Okay, so in the wilderness, you've got Satan who meets Jesus. Jesus is hungry because he's not eating. And Satan shows up and, and basically aims to give him an alternative that is attractive to him. He knows that Jesus is hungry. and He says, listen, Jesus, I know that you're out here and you're on a mission from God. I get that. And I get the fact that you're out here in the wilderness and you're doing without food. And that's, that's noble. That's good. But come on. I mean, of all people, you deserve to have sustenance. You created the human body. You're all God and all man now, so you understand that humans have needs. Humans have hungers. All you gotta do is look at those stones and turn them into bread. You're not even gluten intolerant, Jesus. You could make this happen and it would be awesome. There'd be zero regret. Look, Jesus, I understand that you're here because you're you're aiming to to, to to serve humanity, your creation. I don't understand it personally, but you are all about that. And so here's the thing. You should do that. That's good. But you're, you're God. You're God. You should be worshiped. You should be glorified. So out here in the wilderness, why don't you just do this? All you got to do is go to the highest peak of the temple. It's 180 feet base jump. And just base jump off. Because you and I both know what's going to happen. As a human, you would splat on the ground. But you know that wouldn't happen. The angels wouldn't let that happen. The angels would swoop in, and they would get you and lift you up. And wouldn't that be... Don't you deserve to be lifted up, Jesus? Of all people, you're God, you deserve that. You know what? Here's the thing Are you the king or not? You're the king. You're the king of kings. And I know that you're here to, to be humble. I get that. But you deserve to rule the entire universe. Why don't you just downgrade that and just upgrade where you're at right now? And I'm going to show you look at this. See all these civilizations? They're run by morons. All the kings of these kingdoms are morons. You're not. You know everything. Why don't you just, I mean, again, no one's going to know out here in the wilderness. It's just us. Why don't you just, all you got to do is bow to me. Just give me a little bit, you're just give me props. Because, I mean, again, I'm, I'm the one who's like brokering this deal. Just give me the props and I'll give you the opportunity to rule all those. Satan is aiming to give Jesus an attractive alternative to what God the Father wants. Was Satan speaking truthfully? Hundred percent. Jesus is king. Jesus had hunger needs. Jesus deserved to to be served, not to serve. But he is giving him an alternative that's attractive to what God the Father wants for him. Now here's the thing: Jesus gets the feeling of sin being appealing. That's one of those things where we have to understand that that there is sin out there is appealing. Whatever your temptation is, it, it's it's something that should is going to naturally draw you. Um, for you, you're. you're your temptation might be substance. And that's where Satan hijacks our senses. God created us to have senses and flavor. And so whether your temptation is like an overindulgence of food or an overindulgence of, of alcohol or, or whatever, it's something where it's like, it, it, temptation hijacks our, our senses and says, you need this at your own level right now. Uh, for you, the temptation might be, might be something more along the lines of the, your relationship to truth. For you, your your addiction or, 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 or temptation might be more with regard to uh, something sexual or pornographic. Pornography is something that, that is on the upswing. In the last um, six years, it is every year has been 12.6% more pornography being utilized in the, in the country. As a, as a whole, there, um, if you just took the amount of revenue that's coming in from pornography, it, trumps, it is more than the revenue that comes into all the major uh, channels, ABC, NBC, and CBS combined. If you took all the money that comes in for the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, and you combined it, pornography is bringing in more money. Any given church, 50% of the males and 20% of the females aren't just engaging here and there with pornography, but find them would honestly admit that they're addicted to it. And so the reality is that this is something that, that this is a thing. And, and, and again, when, whenever you're tempted with whatever it is, you have, got a, you have got something that is appealing and it's an appealing alternative to what God has crafted you for. And Jesus understands it. He understands the feeling of sin being appealing. Now, when we get to chapter 4 and it says that he has been tempted in every way, sometimes it's easy for us to push back on that. I go, really? Jesus knows, what it, Jesus knows what it's like when your parent tells you to do your homework and you instead binge Fortnite, like binge playing Fortnite. He knows what that's like? Hmm. Jesus knows what it's like to be late for work and like go 95 through a school zone? Mm. Jesus understands what, what, what the scripture is saying is that every temptation has a source. It has a core, okay? And so like, for example, if you have a, a, a massive leader, like who's, he's a tyrant, and he has influence and power and wealth, and he uses his influence, power, and wealth to be abusive to the people that he's over, that's sin. And he's tempted to it, and he's falling into that temptation. And then all of a sudden, you've got this guy over here who's, who's someone who is... Um, he is working within a local store. And within that local store, like let's say he he works for FedEx and he's delivering packages. And he's got influence and power to deliver this package. It's what his job is. But every once in a while, he's like, you know what? I'm running late. So he takes that package and all of a sudden he ditches it. He's using his power influence to do something other than what he's called to do. Then all of a sudden you go over here to the junior in high school. The junior in high school who's the head of the soccer team. And, he's got, and, and because he's, 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 he's on this team and he's actually someone who's got value and worth to the team around him, he's got influence and voice and he uses that influence and voice to lead the people that are younger than him to do sketchy stuff. Every one of these circumstances, you go back to the same source of temptation. The ability to use your power and influence. The, the middle-aged mom who's got the power and influence of having a Facebook account and uses it to roast people Okay. Same temptation, right? If you if you go to uh, someone who is is if you go to the wife that is wonder is contemplating being unfaithful to her spouse, and, and you go to the the, um, the second grader who's contemplating contemplating cheating on an exam, and you go to to the. 27-year-old who's contemplating cheating on his taxes. Even though they're different scenarios, it's got the same source of temptation. Each one of those is an appealing alternative to what God's called us to. And Jesus understands the appeal. But he doesn't just understand temptation. He also understands the suffering aspect of it. Because look, it says that. Because he himself, he didn't just like, it wasn't like, this doesn't even affect me. It caused him to suffer as Jesus is being tempted, it's suffering when He was tempted. There is a cost to your temptation. If you're being tempted, and you re- if you choose to resist it, there is a cost, because check it out. before Jesus is tempted by Satan, he, is he hungry? Is he hungry? He's hungry. And then Satan's like, "Bread." And what does Jesus say? No, He rejects the temptation. And you know what he gets out of it? He's still hungry. Being obedient to God did nothing for his physical needs. His physical needs were not more met by being obedient to God. He was still hungry. There's a cost. And so if you're, if you want to be victorious over, over uh, temptation, you have to understand, you need to remember that resisting temptation will always cost you. I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh yeah, if you resist temptation, it's going to be so much better for you. Mm, Not in the short run you should actually anticipate it not being good for you in the short run. You should anticipate it being something that is actually a detriment to you in the short run. The reality is is that if you're someone who resists, if if you're like, if there's a lie, and if if you're being tempted to lie because lying is going to protect you, if you don't lie but you actually tell the truth, you might get grounded. You might get fired. You might get broken up with. Resisting temptation may not be to your short-term benefit. It will, it very well could cost you. And you should know that. You should understand that. Every time that, that you choose, if there's this group of people and you're invited into it and you know that they're doing stuff that's taking you further away from what God's called you to do, and you've got the FOMO, you have FOMO like bananas coming out of your ears of fear of missing out on that, and your, and your brain is screaming at you. You're a loser. If you walk away from this, do you realize that your friends aren't going to be your friends? You're going to be rejected. You're going to be looked at as a prude. You know what? That might happen. In fact, there's a good chance it will. You should be, okay, I got to embrace the fact that that's probably what's going to happen. Every time you choose to walk away from, from engaging in pornography, your brain's going to be screaming, you can't do this. This is is too strong for you. This is too strong an urge for you. Your curiosity is too great. There's no way. Do you realize that your your physical needs, your curiosity needs are not going to be met? And you know what? That's probably true. You're, You're absolutely right. Resisting temptation will always cost you, but it is always worth the cost. Resisting temptation will always cost you. It will always, it will always be worth the cost. Always. Okay, everyone just do this really quick. If you've got um, a hand on coffee, you can just do one-handed, but everyone else, if you just show me, see all the piggies. All right, cool, all right. How many do we have here? I'm not gonna say fingers, because someone's like eight fingers and two thumbs. Yeah, Thank you, all right. We got 10, all right, you can put your hands down. I'll keep mine going. At best, you can put your hands down, it's okay. At best, we've got this many decades. At best, most of us. As a McFadden, at best, I've got like that many decades. Okay? This many decades, at best. And through this time frame, a Christ follower is going to have temptations. They're going to cause him or her to say, I can't possibly resist this temptation. You don't understand what it's going to cost me. You don't understand how strong the desire is. I can't possibly do it. And so we find ourselves over and over again in 10, 10 of these decades, willingly surrendering to our desire over our God and experiencing the short-term benefit because there is a short-term benefit and then feeling like that is not who I am, but I don't know if I've got the ability not to do anything but that. 10 decades. But here's the thing. For me, let's say it's about that because honestly, that's probably what it is for me. I've already lived out this many. I've got this many decades left. I don't know how many decades you've got left, but let's just say at best, you're right around where I'm at and you've got this many, maybe you've got a couple more. I've got this many decades left of experiencing temptation. I've got the choice in this many decades left to resist that temptation, to do what's going to be my desire in the short term that I know God's not cool with, or or, to resist it or to, to surrender to it. And here's the phenomenal thing with 10 decades of doing that, one day all of these decades are going to be done and our life is gonna be over. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll see Jesus face to face. And what he has purchased for you is eternity. Life the way it was intended to be, your life, your senses, fleshed out the way that they were called and created to be for eternity. That's something that you didn't earn by resisting temptation. That's something because you're a sinner, you needed a Savior, and He saved you. And you have eternity. But here's the thing it, the scriptures don't just describe eternity being like, oh, thank you for this wonderful gift that you've given me. Scripture says that, like a good dad, God rewards us. And you know what He rewards us for? The 10 or so decades that we lived on this planet, the times where we had the choice to be obedient or not obedient. And every single time we chose to resist being disobedient to God for obedience for him, God takes what happened in this amount of time and chooses to reward us eternally with eternal blessings. So that means that, that if I'm in the short term, I'm missing out on something and it's gonna cost me in the short term. I have the reality that that short term decision, that missing out on that for right now I'm gonna, it's going to be a loss, but not in comparison with the benefit that I'm experiencing. Is your life stacking up the benefits that God wants to reward you with in eternity? Or is your life basically taking, I've got eight, eight to 10 decades of enjoying the benefits of my own, myself being my own God, only to, when that's over, not experiencing the benefits I could have otherwise. Resisting temptation will always cost you, but it's always worth the cost. So how do we do it? Well, that's the good news because God gives us, and we need to remember this. Remember that God gives you everything you need every time you need it to see any temptation and not feed it. And that sounds like Dr. Seuss, but I want it to like sink in your brain. Let's tattoo on your mind. God gives you everything you need every time you need it to see any, not just some temptation, not just like preschool temptation, but any temptation and not feed it. Does this vary on how addicted we are? For sure. Is this something that that God gives us capacity and hope that that, that can cover everything? Absolutely. Will we need God's people and people around us to help us? For sure. But God gives you everything you need, every time you need it, to see any temptation and not feed it. When we get to chapter four of that passage, we see this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are and yet he did not sin so the first thing that Jesus gives us the capacity to resist temptation is this we have a supernatural example Jesus is the second person of the trinity he's god the son and yet he's showcasing this surrender to god to the father in the wilderness Jesus wasn't just tempted in the wilderness, but that's the time we've got it recorded. But in that, we basically have Jesus giving this supernatural example of, I'm not boss, God the Father is boss. The second person in the Trinity is consistently surrendering to God the Father's will. And so what we have now is an example. You and I have an opportunity to do this. When we're tempted, we have one phrase that we can remember. I want this, God doesn't, I'm going with God. This sounds good, doesn't sound good to God. I'm going with God. This feels like this is going to further me, but not in the direction that God wants to further me. I'm going with God. I'm not the boss. God is the boss. Does that make sense? And being able to just basically live that way. This is not the way a non-Christian should live. A non-Christian is not connected to Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus, follow Jesus. He is your boss and you make him the leader of your life and you follow his lead. And that is what we should be saying. But not just that. I mean, examples are great. But honestly, I've got, there's lots of great examples out there that I don't follow because I don't feel like I've got the strength to do it. I don't have the power to do it. Jesus gives us the second part. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in what? Our time of need. This is where we see that Jesus gives us supernatural help. Um, If you've got your notes, One of the the verses that we went through this summer to memorize was 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has seized you or attacked you except for what's common to mankind, to humanity. But God is faithful. And if you read right there, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out that you can endure it. Are there temptations that are too strong for you? 100%. Are there temptations that are too strong for you with God's help? Absolutely not. You have supernatural help each and every time. And one of the things we have to condition our brain with is realizing that we are not powerless to this. Whether it's gossip or anything else, we have the ability to have help. Okay, now this is, this is important. This is us taking advantage of, the, of opportunities we have to actually say no. And one of the things that we build into that is accountability. Um, just, just on the porn issue, one of the things, I mean... Uh, anyone can have like filters on their phones or on their devices and stuff. But one of the things that recently I was just like really feeling convicted about is this. I've got, got, in my family, there's six of us and five of us are males. And again, I know that pornography is something that males and females engage, but I was like, okay, so what do we do to to protect ourselves from this? Um, And and honestly, I'm someone who's like very lazy with something until I see it as a problem. I'm like, that's not smart to to operate that way. And so I, I was like, let's, What's out there that that could actually help us? And so like I got onto this um, thing called Covenant Eyes, which is basically where um, I set up a situation. You could do this individually or as a family or whatever, but it's basically where I set up an accountability partner that if there's anything sketchy that like any sites or anything, it like screenshots that and sends it to an accountability partner basically a narc for me. I mean, like this doesn't sound happy. Like this isn't like, ooh, I can't wait for this because I love getting busted. No, it's, it's like something where I know as a human being, if I know I've got accountability, that I'm gonna be accountable for my decisions, that reduces the temptation. So I'm like, okay, well, how much is this? And it actually costs money. I'm like, man, I hate things that cost money. But then I look and I realize that I'm subscribed to Netflix, Hulu, I, I, I invest in things that I appreciate, entertainment, right? I, I, I can invest in things that can protect my family, can, can protect me, right? And so I, I, wanted to make, I wanted to say, okay, if no temptation is attack me except for what's common to humanity, but God's faithful, he'll always give you a way out, that means I'm looking for ways out. I'm looking for ways to protect me from falling into that. And so we set that up um, for the family and I, I, my older two kids are, they're adults, they're in college. So I'm like, look, I'm not your accountability partner anymore. My younger two boys will be like, stuff will come to me. My older two boys, you guys are young men. I want, I'm going to set this up for you, but I want you guys to pick somebody that is a peer of yours, that's a follower of Jesus that wants to help keep you accountable. And, and you're going to figure out who that is. I'm not going to see any of this stuff. I'm just going to set up and pay for the account. And, and so that's something that I want to I help set us up with so that we're actually being able to be victorious under temptation. We have to remember that Jesus gets the feeling of sin being a feeling, appealing. We've got to remember that res, resisting temptation will always cost you, but it is always worth the cost. And we need to remember that God gives you everything you need, every time you need it, to see any temptation and not feed it. One problem, though. The problem is, is that every single one of us fails. And if you've battled any temptation, you know the, the experience of victory for so long and all of a sudden you experience a defeat. Sometimes on the on the just on the feet of being awesome, like, man, I'm resisting this temptation are regret, and then all of a sudden it hits you in the face. What happens then? Here's what we normally do. We normally go silent, we normally are filled with shame, we let guilt rule us, and we get quiet. And then after a while, we start saying, you know what, why should I feel ashamed of this anyway? I hate living with shame. I hate being feeling guilty. This is just what I do. This is just who I am. And then we start to get super, super salty with the people in our world that think differently. That's just kind of like human nature. But what if we had a different perspective? What if we realized that in the midst of the fact that Jesus gives us the ability to be victorious over temptation, the same Jesus is the one who calls us back when we fail. We need to remember all those other things, but we also need to remember his kindness. This past week, um, I was uh, meeting with a guy um, who used to be a student um, in 360 when I was a youth pastor. This is like way, way a long time ago. And uh, his name is Kyle. And Kyle, I... I, 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 I He told me a story, we were meeting for coffee, he told me a story of when he was in high school and things that happened after high school. And I'm like, oh man, Kyle, can I share your story without using your name? No, I just told you his name. But that's because he told me I could tell you his name. Because he said, Errol, why would I I ask you to not use my name? And let me tell you why I thought to not use his name. Because he was telling me about how when he was in high school, one of the, the greatest struggles that he had was in fact pornography. And that was just something that, that he, just, he just wrestled with. And then um, in one of the small groups that, that um, we would lead, we'd go to someone's house, we'd have like all the guys in small groups break out. And his small group leader was one of our young adults um, and 360, one of our 360 coaches. And he was actually open about the fact that, listen, I wanna just tell you that that's something that I struggled with. Like, and, and it's something that is an everyday battle for me to, to resist it, but I'm a, I've been seeing God's victorious like, strength in me. And, and, and Kyle was like, I was blown away with the fact that Someone who's a Christian would actually someone who's Christian in authority would actually have the guts to say, I struggled with this. Because Kyle was like, I thought I was I was the only one that was really struggling with this. That continued on for years. He's he's struggling. He goes, he eventually feels called into ministry, goes to Moody, he's on staff at a church, and and, and at this church, um, he's just like, man, God's doing some good stuff in him, but but he was still struggling with pornography. And all of a sudden, um, it gets found out on his computer um, that all this just porn activity and stuff. And he said that was the most humiliating day of my life. And and on top of being humiliating, I I knew that it was gonna be humiliating because I was gonna have to go home and tell my dad and my mom. I'm like, how'd that go? It's like, it was hard, it was really difficult. But the response my dad gave was so opposite what I was expecting. But even more than how awesome it was to hear my dad's love and acceptance of me, the thing that kept on coming to my mind was Romans 2. The fact that Romans 2 says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. When we can't, when we don't resist temptation, when we fail, we have a savior that's not kicking us to the curb, but opening his arms to welcome us back. Not saying, hey, it's all good. I don't even care if you do that or not. He does care. He calls us to be holy, but it's his, not his holiness that brings us to repentance. It's his kindness. And as we were talking over coffee, I was just blown away. And, he, and, and, all, and his tears are coming down his face. I said, we have such an amazing God. And that reminded me of a song when I, was, when, I was, um, when I was growing up. I don't even know the artist. But the words, I'm not gonna sing it for you because I'm gonna resist that temptation. You're welcome. But the words go something like this. No excuse, no one to blame, nowhere to hide. The eyes of God have found my failures, found my pain. He understands my weaknesses and he knows my shame, but his heart never leaves me. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O Lord. Knowing that you love me no matter what I do, it makes me want to love you too. Later on in the song, it says, waiting for angry words to sear my soul, knowing that I don't deserve another chance. And suddenly the kindest, kindest words I've ever heard come flooding from God's heart. Because it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O oh Lord. Knowing that you love me no matter what I do. It makes me want to love you too you wanna be victorious over temptation, remember that Jesus gets you. He understands you every single time. And when you fail, you wanna be victorious over temptation? Come running right back to the Lord who loves you so much that his kindness brings you to repentance to start fresh again, amen? Amen, let's stand for prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that you help each one of us not walk in shame. Lord, what you did on the cross eradicates shame and kicks guilt out the window. We have the ability to be forgiven by you and not just forgiven so we just continue being toxic in our decisions, but instead we we have the ability to be forgiven by you and restored and revamped. We get a chance to walk with you in a complete and holy way. Lord, I pray that you cause each one of us to rest on your strength, not our strength, and appreciate the reality, Lord, that even though you didn't have to get us you chose to get us, you understand us, and you love us. And you give us the strength to do everything we need to do to follow your lead today. We give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Love you, church. See you next week.